and they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous that they do it. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, 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 zip, boom, bye, boom. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. Hey, I'm Coach O. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, JoJo. They've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Gas control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that? Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How are you? Doing good, Shane. We got quite a bit to get into, so let's just jump into it. But uh, before we get into the news, fun topics here I saw recently here on the Twitters. But old Quentin Williams, your boy, Shane. He's a little starstruck being up there at the New York Jets, isn't he? He went full-blown fanboy, didn't he? (laughs) Yeah, so for anyone that has not seen this, we're going to play this clip. This is uh, obviously the rookie from Alabama, the number three overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. And uh, his introductory press conference here with the Jets, he's just kind of blown away by some of the faces he got to meet. He first walked in, I'm like, man, it's Leonard Williams. Like, he a beast. He from USC. I'm just, I should give props when props do, basically. But, yeah, I was being a little fan, and we just worked out together and stuff like that. And we just, like, talked about football in general, talked about um, how NFL going to go and how his rookie year was and stuff like that. And just grew a bond just through football. I, ain't, I didn't know that at the time that I was going to play with him and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I was, like, a little fan, a fan at first because, I, like, you got to think about it at the time, like, seven months ago, I didn't know I was going to start. So it's like to be in this position right now, like, I'm like, bro, that's crazy. So, like, when I get to meet people, I'll be like, man, that's dope. Like, I met Le'Veon Bell yesterday, and I'm like, whoa, like, this Le'Veon Bell, like, the first, the number one running back in the NFL, like, it's just crazy. So, I just, but I know I'm one of the people, too, though. So it's like, <laughs> so, but I don't really look at it like that, though. So, like, I met Sam Donald, that's crazy. Like, like bro, you Sam Donald, Jamal Adams, I'm like, bro, you I got Jamal Adams on my ultimate team, so it was like, that's crazy. So it's like. All right, Shane, if this guy wasn't a fan favorite already in New York, I mean, I think this presser kind of did it did it for him. Oh, I love it, man. He's just talking about, man, he's like the best. He goes, not that I'm not, you know, but that'd be me, man. I'd be seeing some of these guys I've been watching for years, and it's, you know, been on my fantasy football team and stuff like that. It'd be hard not to be be a fanboy, you know, getting up there. So uh, I'm telling you, man, this this kid's going to be fun. He's going to have some entertaining pressures, you know. Yeah, and if you think about it, so he obviously was a redshirt sophomore. He's one of the youngest players now in the NFL. there any chance you think that he comes out and is the best player? Because, I mean, I understand the importance of a quarterback, but I think Arizona kind of screwed up not taking Quentin Williams. I think Quentin Williams was the best player in college football last year. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I like it. I like how how quick he is for a big guy. Um, he's gonna have. A, I mean, he's gonna be disruptive up front. So, I think he's a good pit. And you know, when you think of the Jets, that's the kind of player you think of. So, um, I think the the fans will gravitate toward him and and hopefully have a long career up there. All right, Shane. Final thing before we go around the league. Oh, Peyton Manning's opening a Knoxville bar and restaurant called Saloon 16 down on Cumberland Avenue. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, I will be there. 
We, you know, when they open it, we should try to uh, do a live podcast there and have shots with Peyton down at Saloon 16. Oh, it'd be great, man. I got Blake Shelton up here in Gatlinburg. We now got Peyton down here in Knoxville. I mean, this Tennessee's got it all, Mike. I just don't know why we're not recruiting better. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shane, uh, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go around the league. Around the league. We hadn't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's gonna be a street fight. This game's gonna be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, lunch bell, let's get to work. All right, Shane, so you're high on the balls, but unfortunately, things are a little bit darker here in Florida. We gotta start off with basically the biggest news in the offseason down here in Gainesville. Everything was riding high under Dan Mullen. Looks like they were just continued to peak, peak, peak. And then it's kind of all came crashing down here in a matter of weeks, Shane. I'll break it down here for those who have not been following the situation. But before we get into that, I just want to get your thoughts, Shane. What was your initial reaction when you see the highest-ranked player that Dan Mullen has ever signed there at Florida. He's just leaving the program, and he's not even going to take a snap for the Gators. That's huge, Mike. I mean, that, that says a lot. You know, this is recruiting season. It's when you got a lot of kids coming in and checking you out. And and uh, I don't know, man. It just feels like with Florida, it was one article every day, some other player. And, uh, man, there is trouble in paradise down there. And, and, and it may not be a – I mean, if you would have – spread this news out across the entire summer it probably wouldn't be near as bad but the fact it happened all within a week it was just i mean yeah it's got a lot of folks down there probably a little worried but um i am curious uh, about some of the commits that they do have all right shane so i'm going to break this down for anyone that's not been kind of following the saga here it's pretty in depth but of course so again we're talking about chris Steele, cornerback uh, from california he was an army all-American, one of the highest-rated players in the nation last year, enrolled early. Of course, uh, Florida had, I think, they, I think they had like eight or nine guys enroll early. And one of the other ones was a guy named Jalen Jones, who's a quarterback who we touched on on a previous podcast. He has been accused of sexual battery by two different women. And how this is all tied together, Shane, that Jalen Jones, the guy that's being accused here. Now, it's important to know he's not been charged with anything, so we want to make that clear. But he has been accused by two different women, and his roommate was Chris Steele. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of got Chris Steele's name. I don't want to, want to say drug in the mud because there's been no ac- accusations against Chris Steele, but the matter of the fact is there was a police report written and Chris Steele's name is in it because he's the roommate, and apparently he walked in while some you know, foul play was ongoing. So he's kind of attached to this now, 
And like I said, he's not been accused of anything, Chris Steele, but uh, just having his name out there, it's all over the internet. And what are, you know, Georgia fans, Florida State fans, Tennessee fans, I'm not saying they're all going to say this about Chris Steele, but they're, they just note that, you know, they've read it. They've read his name in the police report, and uh, a lot of people don't even go that far. They just fear that he's involved, and so that he always has this uh, negative attachment potentially to his name. So this all went down in April, and the real saga, Shane, comes back in January because apparently Chris Steele kind of this Jalen Jones rubbed him the wrong way to the point where he approached the Florida coaching staff and said, hey, I'm uncomfortable around this guy. I would like a room change. And apparently he went to the coaching staff more than once, Shane, to request being moved to another dorm. They put that off. They said they were going to do it in the summer. Uh, And this comes according to Gator Sports' Zach Abelverde. He was the first one to report this. I'm going to read you off what he had to say about it here. But uh, Chris Steele's decision stems from a request from the coaching staff during his first month on campus to be moved to a different dorm because he was uncomfortable rooming with Jalen Jones. Uh, The staff did not plan to move him until the summer, which upset Steele and his parents, according to the source. So obviously when you're you're getting these high-ranked kids, particularly from across the country, you know, they're not going to have their family support staff on campus. These coaches, you know, obviously what they're selling these guys on is they can develop them on the field, get them the NFL. But at the same time, they really have to look out for these guys. I mean, they, they make a vow to do that. And I think it's fair to question whether Dan Bo- – I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily Dan Mullen, but it falls under his umbrella as his coaching staff. Mm-hmm. They clearly did not get that done in this in this instance. No. And, and you know, the whole thing, the, just from what I'm reading, you know, so here, here's still wanting to get out of this, this room situation. It's not being addressed. And then in April, <clears throat> when this incident happens with the – uh, with the quarterback there, Jones and the this female, mm-hmm. you know these guys uh, says Steele and this other individual comes into the room like and uh, I don't know it, it almost sounded playful you know like what was going on but I mean think of yourself as Steele's parents you know that he's wanted to transfer these rooms you know and then now you're reading your son's name in a police report or uh, an incident like this, mm-hmm. I, I'd be alarmed too. And, and it sounds to me like this may be more the parents than still himself. But, you know, he came out and said it kind of shocked him seeing his name. I mean, you know, it's all funny games until, you know, the cops are involved. And, and now they are, and his name's in a report, and it said it shocked him, and he's just, you know, I, I, I think he's done, man. You know, and he, here's Dan trying to come back around and, fix things i heard dan and his wife went over to the house the steel family's residence and, and you know try to talk to the family but um i don't know judging from some of the tweets i'm seeing from the players uh i don't think Steele's coming back man no and you're right about that shane so mullen and his wife megan flew all the way to california that's also important to note but i do want to make this comment so following all this news troy Steele who is Chris Steele's father, he tweeted out, first and last tweet about the situation, your last name as a man is with you forever and even transcends death. 
when that name is even remotely associated with something so appalling, you have to take a stand. So, I mean, based on that, Shane, I think that's clear. Uh, I mean, it, he's backing up this report that his son was uncomfortable with Jalen Jones and, and being in this situation, and now that he's attached to it. Uh, so, again, just a bad look there for the Gators. And following all this saga here with Chris Steele, they've had three decommitments in the 2021 class, so two classes out. All right, real, real quick on the Steele situation. I don't want to – I mean, I don't want to paint – Florida in a bad way because obviously some bad things are going on down there. Um, and it may be more to do about Gainesville. I don't know. But one thing that I did notice about Steele, um, I didn't realize how many times this kid has committed somewhere. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Like, I think if I'm not mistaken, he committed to UCLA then backed out mm-hmm. and, and then committed to Southern California and backed out. Mm-hmm. Now he's committed to Florida and he's backing out. So I, I don't want to say that all of this had, I mean, this may be a kid that, you know, probably enjoyed the, the recruiting process and, and, you know, found this home down in Florida and, and decided, you know, Hey, I need to get closer to home, you know, cause it's like you said, his parents are out in California and stuff like that. So this may be just an, a, also a reason for him just to get out of there. Well, that's a that's a fair point to make because reports out of Gainesville, Steele had been experiencing some homesickness early in his career there as a Gator. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some Gator fans, I've not heard any credible people say this, but I have heard Gator fans saying, you know, the family and, and Chris Steele potentially just using this Jalen Jones situation as a way to leave and gain immediate eligibility wherever they go. But the fact that Dan Mullen flew out to California and is trying to change his mind, I think that kind of suggests that's not what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is kind of interesting. Florida has not – I mean, they've not released anything at all. Uh, But I do want to make one other final note that I think they do have something to answer for. And I believe Dan Mullen is going to have some media availability this week. But this whole incident with the quarterback Jalen Jones and the two instances of alleged sexual battery, that occurred before the Florida spring game. And he still played in that spring game. So the question is, you know, did they know about it? How much did they know? And I just think it would be really bad look if they were aware of these situations and they let him play. Not saying that anytime someone gets accused, you know, they have to be like removed from the team or anything because, you know, due process and there are people that make false accusations, but you got to think that, a, you know, even if these serious allegations are out there, maybe it's not in the best interest for someone to that, to, to be out there on the field. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Shane? Yeah. I mean, I think there's some allegations you got to you have to take more serious than others. You know, if you heard that he was, you know, pulled over with marijuana in the car or something like that, maybe this is something, you know, you let the process run itself. But when you're talking about females getting assaulted and you've got two different cases, apparently you have witnesses. I mean, we're just talking about steel and them coming through the room. So they obviously saw some sort of situation going on. You would think that 
the smart move because you don't have to have them in spring game right now. You know, you need to focus on fall, remove them from that process and, 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 you know, get to the bottom of it. But I don't know, uh, something like that you, you think would have took more precedent than, you know, than football. So, but here we are. Right. And just adding to the woes, like I said, the Gators have had three D commitments. Uh, in addition to that, junior quarterback, Brian Edwards has also been arrested and charged with simple battery following an argument with his girlfriend, according to Robbie Andrew of the Gainesville Sun. So just another defensive back kind of in, in a kind of a similar situation here. Uh, I believe he remains on the team, but uh, I'm, I'm not 100 percent certain of that. Uh, now, the other roommate that was Jalen Jones, Chris Steele, and there was a third one. His name's Jadon Hill. There's speculation that he is, could leave Gainesville, but he has come out and said there's no validity to that. So Gator fans, I mean, if there's a silver lining, at least Jaden Hill is, is you know firmly committed to staying in Gainesville, so that's good. Uh, but what about this, Shane? After all this saga here on the weekend, I don't know if you saw this, but there were a couple Florida players kind of coming after Steele on Twitter mm-hmm. It, you know, just tweeting out photos of uh, – it started with uh, receiver Trayvon Grimes, who apparently caught a pass over Steele in practice and just tweeted out that image and said, uh, you know, if you're not a Gator, you're Gator bait. And I'm just – I don't know if you know this, Shane, but do you have any idea where Trayvon Grimes signed out of high school? No. He signed with Ohio State, so <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting. He would make these comments and – uh, if you're, you know, catching passes over a true freshman in practice, I'm not quite sure that that's uh, something to be bragging about. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That it's another bad look for the Gators, if you ask me. Yeah, you hate to see it, but I mean, I don't know. This is a family. It's a it's a Gator family. These kids have been playing all spring, and uh, when you have somebody like that that's not committed, that that's maybe not participating as much in practice or, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, sometimes you do get, I would, I would get defensive, you know? So, I mean, we had players on our team that were like that just didn't put in the effort that they should have. And, you know, and you're as strong as the weakest player. So <clears throat> maybe, you know, I could understand that. And of course we didn't have social media back when I was a kid. So, you know, there'd been, <laughs> they'd be digging up some nasty tweets when I was younger. So um, a lot of these were deleted, um, you know, so maybe the coaching staff talked to them and, you know, figured out a better way of, of you know, trying to get still back on campus. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm just curious, though, about this recruiting class. Mm-hmm. It's still early, you know. I mean, if they get on a tear and, and they look good during the fall, uh, you know, signing days several, several months from a half a year from now. So we still got plenty of time to, to get our class back. Yeah, and I think if they went on the – field like they did last year i mean this will be basically a non-issue but where it's going to hurt them is depth in the secondary because chris Steele, if he wasn't going to start he was going to start next year so uh tough i mean they gotta they gotta get some captains in there man you know Mm -hmm. we had similar situation with lsu last year and everybody knows devin white that man put put the big boy pants on and took care of that locker room. The coaches can only do so much. They can take you to the water. They can't make you drink. But if you can get some upperclassmen in there, you know, you'd you would hope it'd be somebody like Franks or something that would step up. Of course, I don't know if he's got that in him. But that's that's 
you know, this is a hard time this summer. I mean, there's a lot. It's not just University of Florida. This is this is when you stress because these kids, a lot of them are cut loose, gone back home, and you're praying to God that they don't get arrested or they don't get caught doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And when they come back on campus, you know, it helps to have some players on there that are true team captains and, and can, you know, make sure that they stay focused on football. All right, Shane. Well, let's jump down to Athens because these comments are related to what's going on here in Gainesville because Dan Mullen obviously has been talking a big game all offseason and a lot of his verbal jabs have been directed at Athens and Kirby Smart's Georgia program and all that. And, um, you know, Kirby had a chance to kind of come right back at Dan Mullen here during his Friday appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show. And, you know, he he made some interesting comments. He certainly didn't, uh, you know, do much talking like Dan Mullen has, but uh, he, he did it in another way that I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> Coach, this is, I don't, want, I don't want to call it the silly season because it's important. You're out meeting with dog fans everywhere, and, and, and I, I would never say that what, what you hear on a show is necessarily representation, but we're hearing a lot from fans in Florida. It seems like this Florida-Georgia rivalry, which is always intense, you've played on it, uh, you've been on all sides of it, is, is getting, at least maybe on one side, I don't hear you responding to all that. Uh, is that just who you are? I just don't know that there's a lot that, that we control by the words we say. I just Football so much to me is played between the lines and the physicality of the people that play it. And we're going to play a brand of football at Georgia that's physical and tough, and we don't really want to talk to the opponent. And I, if I go out doing that as a coach, how do I look to my players? So it's not something that I enjoy doing or want to do. I just kind of work real hard and grind and go play the game and, and make the best team win. Does this come – uh, I mean, everything comes from, from somewhere. I mean, you're, you're the son of a coach. You, you, you've been part of very successful systems. Is that just uh, – I mean, everyone can do whatever they want, but is that just who you are and where you, what, you're, what you're made out of? Yeah, I, I, I just don't think you need that. I, I don't think that's what's going to make Georgia great. We're not going to move up in the rankings because of what I say or what I do. We're going to do it by how we play. And we want to talk with our helmets. That's what we've always talked about. We want to play physical brand of football and not really do it with our mouthpiece. All right, Shane, so Kirby and the Bulldogs, they're going to do their talking on the field. You know, considering that Kirby Smart has has really owned this rivalry the last two years, and they're going to be a heavy favorites again going into 2019 over the Gators, uh, I thought this was kind of the best response possible from, you know, the, the team that's that's clearly got the advantage at this point. Yeah, this is the high road, man. And you don't – I mean, that's, that's what, the way it should be. The guys that got beat should be the ones that are talking all the smack, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, Georgia, you know, was a was a ball game away from playing in the playoffs, you know, last the year prior to they were in the national championship. So, what what why did they need to get down in the in the dirt with uh, Florida? Just show it on the field, That's, which they've done the last two seasons or last two seasons, you know. Right, and then. Last but not least here, Shane, Paul Feinbaum's kind of weighed in on this, and uh, this was during his Monday morning appearance on Jocks in 94.5 FM down in Birmingham. He jumps on a program called The Roundtable. I thought Feinbaum, he kind of uh, let loose here on Dan Mullen, which I thought was pretty interesting. Big right now is the PR hit for Dan Mullen with Chris still leaving. Devastating, um, because... Primarily because of Dan Mullen's mouth. Uh, he's been running it for months. Well, frankly, he's been running it ever since he was born. 
And and I and I heard it. Listen, uh, I, I was in his office three and a half weeks ago. I heard him running his mouth about Georgia, and uh, it, it it caught up to him. And, and now all those uh, people who've been sitting sitting around going, I wonder why he's doing that, are turning on him. Is is it a cataclysmic event? No, losing recruits happen all the time. Players get in trouble all the time. But but I, I think it's a it's a little bit of. Uh, of karma of flying back at him, and I thought Kirby Smart won the won the day, and maybe won the won the war uh, by by just like shooing Dan Mullen away the other day, like a like a fly at a, on your on your sandwich at a Fourth of July picnic. I mean, like we we talk with our helmets, is what he said, uh, and, and I think I thought that was the appropriate answer. I, I don't want to go Reagan and Contras here, but which makes Dan Mullen look worse that this kid asked to change roommates? and was put off until the summer, and Dan Mullen knew about it and made that decision? Or his underlings pushed this kid away and didn't even let Dan Mullen know, and Dan didn't know it was going on? Which would make him look worse? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I, think he, I, I think it probably would look worse if he didn't know what was going on in his program. Um, at, at least he can shrug it off and say, uh, you know, we made a decision it turned out to be the wrong decision. There's no right answer. All right, Shane. So Feinbaum says a bit of karma here for Dan Mullen. Do you, do you agree with those statements, or uh, is, is he just being a provocateur here? Yeah, he's just stirring shit up, Mike. I mean, this is <laughs> – here, here we've been talking all off season about how we love the fact that Dan's talking trash, you know, and then you're going to cut him at the knees when, when something goes against them. I just – I like the trash talk. I like the jabs. I like. I just. I think it makes for better football, and and to say that these situations would have absolutely nothing to do with, you know, uh, them poking at Florida State or them poking at the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, I mean, this is this is college football, man. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I, I don't. I think Paul's a little. I think Paul got a little carried away here. You know, I just, he's just trying to stir up something, create something for media days. You know, he's trying to take the high road himself, but man, this is at the end of the day, this is what you want. You want a great ball game and you want trash talked all the way to Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, hell, if, if Florida comes back out and has another 10 win season, and certainly if they upset Georgia in Jacksonville, I mean, none of this will ever be stated again. None of it will be remembered, you know. So that's what really counts is not really what's going down in May. It's, it's a blow, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, but what could be even if, a, and, and if it did, mm-hmm. I would love Dan to bring it up when he does talk to Feinbaum the next time they see each other. <laughs> let's just say, let's just say, I, and I don't want to get anybody upset. I'm not making these predictions, but if Florida did win that game and they went on to play in an SEC championship, mm-hmm. I hope the first thing that he does is bring O'Karma on his stage, you know, and just talk to him a little bit. I just think, <laughs> and he seems like one of those guys that you know he keeps it in his back pocket, so he's mm-hmm. waiting for it. So I'm really looking forward to that game. But here's the thing, Shane, that really does kill Florida. I think I mean, we just got done saying all that other stuff. Perception hurts. Losing Chris Steele hurts. But what really kills Florida, Georgia just continues to destroy it on the recruiting trail. On Friday, they landed five-star linebacker uh, Michael Sherman from mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. area. He's, one of, he's a top-ten prospect in 2019. What's he playing? Uh, he's a linebacker. 
Ooh, Sherman Tank. I like it. And then on Monday, landed four-star offensive lineman Tate Ratledge over Tennessee from a Tennessee family. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, these are the – I mean, and this is just typical Georgia under Kirby Smart. I mean, they're just racking up elite prospects one on top of the other. Let's, let's, Let's stop for a second. Let's talk about this Tate situation, all right? Now, I'm, I obviously, I was hoping he'd go to the University of Tennessee, all right? Kid chose Georgia. Do I blame him? No. I mean, they got a they got a machine down there for offensive linemen. So, um, you know, and it sucks, you know, with Pruitt, with this, you know, recruiting hop, you'd think that uh, we'd be landing some of these 50-50 battles. But anyway, what, what drove me nuts, and let me get your opinion on this, after the situation, after his kid signs, his dad, a longtime volunteer fan, goes out to his truck and rips the Tennessee decal off the back, mm-hmm. puts a Georgia decal on the front of his truck. Now, if my kids, well, let's take my kids out. Let's take Tennessee out of it for a second. All right. Let's say, <clears throat> let's say Jake Fromm goes to the NFL, has a hell of a season. He's playing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Builds them a couple restaurants, a saloon down there, just like Peyton Manning. You know, they're they're opening it up the next week. His kid is deciding to go to college football, and he's deciding between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators. Now, Jake Fromm always wears, you know, he's got his Georgia decal on the back, uh, the whole nine yards, but his kid decides to go to Florida. They lived in Florida. Uh, they decided they want to stay down there, and he becomes a Gator. And Jake Fromm goes out there, rips that decal off his truck, and puts up a gator in the back. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, do you lose your fan? I mean, if you're a fan of a school, do you cancel that fandom when your kid goes to a different college? I think absolutely. I mean, why would you not? I mean, you're complaining about this guy because he was a Tennessee fan, and now he's a Georgia fan. I mean, his son, his pride and joy is going to Georgia He's not going to root against his son. Mike, I'm a ball for life, son. I've known them balls a lot longer than my kids. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I love my babies. Now, listen. Obviously, none of them are going to play football. But if they did, and they went to a rival college, let's just say uh, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Okay? They're down there at University of Alabama. I'm obviously, I'm going to go to every game. I'll never miss an Alabama game because I'm a fan for my kids. But third Saturday in October, and I'm sitting in that stand, I'm probably going to still be wearing orange, Mike, because I'm an orange ball fan for life. I mean, that's that's just who I am. Now, my kid knows this. I raised them to be a volunteer fan. They chose against me to do their own path, and I don't blame them. I'm going to root for them. And even in the Alabama-Tennessee game, I hope they're successful. I hope they... They, they put up some great numbers. I hope they come out healthy. But at the end, I kind of hope Tennessee wins. And I, that's just who I am. So I was just curious what your thoughts were. Because uh, I got a lot of feedback. We I saw a lot of feedback there on, on Twitter when I asked this question. And uh, I think the fanatic in fan is kind of overrunning your heart at this point. Because I don't know this uh, Mr. Ratledge. I don't know his first name, Tate's father. But... At the end of his life, Shane, I mean, who's going to be taking care of him? Is it going to be the University of Tennessee? What are they going to do for him? Or is it going to be his son that he supported? His, I mean, his job is to support this child 
his entire life and you're upset because he's turning his back on the, on his school <laughs> that he rooted for because now his son no that does, what, that makes no sense to change? me but why 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 not leave the decals up why not be a fan of both schools like I love from now on I love Tennessee I just I, I hate Georgia a little less you know what I'm saying just because mm-hmm. my boy's there I'm gonna go there I'm gonna support him and I'm gonna go to all the games I'm gonna wear neutral colors. You know, that's just, I don't know. That's just me. I just, I'm a diehard Tennessee fan. And maybe that just, that got me a little bit. Maybe he's not as hardcore as I am. You know, maybe he doesn't have a whole room that's painted in orange and white, you know, with uh, Tennessee memorabilia laying around. I do. That's just what I grew up to. I've been a fan since the eighties, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, my grandfather took me to Tennessee games. My dad, my mom, I mean, there's, there's a lot of events around Tennessee football that's important to me that's surrounded by family that, that goes back with me. So maybe it just means a little bit more, you know, when my first football game was my, with my grandfather, you know. My first time I went to a basketball game was with my grandfather. We had we had great time. It's just great memory. So I'm not going to squash all that, you know, just because my kid decided to play for a different school. I'm still going to go down there. I'm still going to support them, but – I'm still a Tennessee fan, so I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just thought making such a big deal about it on the news was just kind of like, I just thought it stupid. So it's just, just my two cents. <laughs> what this is, this is a Tennessee man butt hurt about losing an elite recruit. <laughs> no, it ain't that. It ain't that at all. Like, I didn't. I didn't say anything, you know. I, oh, okay. I, when he When he signed with Tennessee or Georgia, I was like, you know, okay, that's that's fine. I get it. You know, we were at least he didn't throw no Tennessee hats in the floor. You know, it wasn't a big deal. So uh, I wish him. The Let best. me play devil's advocate here, Shane, because you already know, you already hit on this. Mm-hmm. National signing day, long way away. Yeah, Tennessee. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but let's say they have a really great season. They win nine games, and in order to do so, they're probably going to have to beat someone like a Georgia or a Florida or an Alabama, like some. Some huge upset, mm-hmm. which happened last year. You could argue with Auburn and Kentucky, so it's to- not totally out of the realm of possibility. And this Tate Ratledge flips his commitment, signs with Tennessee. How fast is that decal going back up on that truck? Oh man, overnight, <laughs> son. <laughs> We're gonna have a hot video and everything to it. Flame purple rain. <laughs> oh. Oh man, but that's that's college sports, man. That's what's so fun about it. It's just it's a game, but it's a fun game. So, um, yeah, good. I, I just I, I'm curious how this whole situation plays out. But uh, you know, he seemed pretty excited about going to Georgia. All right, Shay, we went all far down a tangent down a down a road. I didn't know we were going <laughs> to go down, but I did have one other thing on the Gators. I was I was going to wrap this up with the Gators here, but they tried to kind of get. I don't, maybe this is me being too critical of them, but I think they tried to kind of get away from this Chris Steele news a little bit by hyping up a big scheduling announcement, Shane. And then a day later, they announced a home-and-home series with Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so the Gators are going to host Colorado in 2028, then they're mm-hmm. going to go to Colorado in 2029, and that'll be the first time, Shane, since 1991 when the Gators got kicked off the team for going to Colorado. <laughs> no, this is the first time since 1991, 
the Florida Gators are playing a non-conference game on the road as a like as an away stadium. So 2029 to 1991 outside of the state of Florida. How insane is that stat? Mike, Mike, it's crazy. I'm telling you, sometimes they write their own their own articles. The first time you do something like this, you're going to a state that has legalized marijuana before anyone else. You don't see the humor in that. I just, I I think it's a great, I think it's a fantastic idea, Mike. And I bet there's going to be a lot of players excited to go to that home and home. So, uh, but that's your first one since how long? So it's going to be 2029 mm-hmm. and then 1991. So you're talking almost 40 years it took the Gators to leave the state of Florida for a non-conference game. Now, this does not include neutral sites. So, they, you know, obviously they play bowl games. And then a couple of years ago they played Michigan in Texas. But I'm saying as a true away team, they've not left the state since 1991. That's unbelievable, man. And the first team you pick to do is Colorado. It just seems like if I were going to do something like that, like this is something that's not been done in 40 years, I'm going to California, man. We're going to play, you know, USC. We're going to play UCLA. We're going to play one of those big boys out there and get all this TV time. You're not getting it in Colorado. Uh, I mean, maybe they're going to be good then, but I don't know. Just if this is something you've not done in almost half a century – Pick somebody that's traditionally better because you want a good ball game. Nobody's going to watch this Colorado thing. Well, Shane, I'll tell you a game they will watch because the following day they announced a real home-and-home series. Florida is going to host the University of Texas in 2030, and they're going to turn around and go to Texas in 2031. So back-to-back home-and-home game. Now that I like. Yeah, so that's a serious game there. And once again – you know, we've kind of uh, mocked Florida a little bit for their non-conference scheduling in previous episodes, but, you know, we're seeing Georgia, we're seeing Alabama, now we're seeing Florida, and I think this is a clear indication that these programs that want to win national championships are looking at it like, hey, we've got to have these games on our schedule because if we don't win the SEC, we need something on that resume to boost it. And, you know, playing Charleston Southern in Colorado State and on and on, I mean, that's not going to get it done. No, no. That's good, man. I like the Texas one. I think that will be fantastic. All right, Shane, let's move on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! We're old Nick Saban. I couldn't believe this. I almost fell out of my chair when I saw this. I thought I thought he was just making it up. But, uh, it, you know, based on this interview, I think he was being honest. Nick Saban admits he watches Game of Thrones – once again, this was on a WJOX Jocks Radio 94.5. Uh, let's jump to Nick Saban talking Game of Thrones, Shane. I found out today I had no idea. I know you love television. We've talked about Dexter and some other shows before. I didn't realize you were on Game of Thrones, which, in my opinion, going into this season, best show in television history. I love The Sopranos, Breaking Bad. There's some great ones out there. But Game of Thrones has been that good. Season 8, I'm a little disappointed. I don't know where you are through four episodes. I love it. I mean, you know, it had to come to this. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. That's the way it always goes. (laughs) Everybody's probably got, you know, somebody that they're rooting for, which is how it goes, too. So it'd be interesting to see how it winds up. Do you have a theory on who will will be on the Iron Throne when it's all said and done? Um, 
I, I don't know. I think some kind of way Jon Snow's going to wiggle his way in there, even though he won't try. It'll just end up that way. No, I, I get it. But, you know, the White Walkers were the bad dudes, man. I mean, if, if we were recruiting, we would go north and, and try to recruit some of those guys. How surprising is this? I mean, he even called out some White Walkers saying he would recruit them if he could. I mean, this guy legitimately watches Game of Thrones, Shane. That's fantastic, man. If if Nick Saban was in that show, who would he be? Like Tyrion, you know? He's got hmm. the same height, you know? <laughs> I think he would have been uh, the father, the father Lannister, who was the genius general. Oh, my God. You know? That's perfect, the general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that would have been a good one. He wouldn't have got hit by a crossbow either. He wouldn't have <laughs> trusted Tyrion, so... That's good. I like that. And the only other thing we have here on Nick Saban, I just thought this was pretty funny, Shane. So, obviously, you know, we talked about Nick Saban having his hip surgery and back at work two days later. Kirby Smart was recently asked about it, uh, asked if he was surprised old Nick was back to work in two days. Uh, Here's what Kirby had to say. No, that does not surprise me at all. It disappoints me actually that it probably wouldn't one day. But uh, with him, I uh, I can recall a lot of times that, no matter what's going on around him, he's got an un- uncanny ability to focus and concentrate, and he enjoys what he does. He's passionate about his work, and a little hip surgery's not going to stop it. All right, Shane, I, th- <laughs> I thought that was a little uh, <laughs> that was a little comment there. I mean, it was made in jest, I'm sure, but it's almost as if he's admitting old Saban's slowing down a little bit. It took him two days to get back to work. I like it. That's good stuff. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Lexington. <laughs> This is not exactly Kentucky-related, but, I mean, pretty much. Benny Snell, that's how everyone associates him at this point. He's a Wildcat running back, the all-time leading rusher in school history. It only took him three years to do it, which is pretty awesome. But old Benny Snell, during his first media availability up there in Pittsburgh, he plays for your Steelers now, he had to to explain to the people up there what Benny Snell football was all about. When you talk about the end of the Citrus Bowl, you guys get the ball back with four minutes and change left. I guess, you know, the plan at that point is they're giving it to you every down, <laughs> yeah. and everybody in the stadium knows they're giving it to you every yeah, yeah, down. Yeah. Um, How do you pull something like that off? I mean, that's just Benny Snell football, you know. That's just downhill, running the ball, uh, running the clock out. My, my team depended on me in, in that time of need, and, um, you know, I'm going to make it happen. And I had a good relationship with Coach Grant and, you know, Coach Stoops. So in, in a situation like that, they trust me. You did that? Multiple times. Yes, sir. Th- throughout throughout the season, all three years. That, that's what I'm known for. So, what's Benny Snell football? <clears throat> Benny Snell football is, um, you know, it could be like second and three or like third and three. It could be fourth and two. It could be uh, third and goal, fourth and goal. Um, or, you know, it could be four minute offense. You know what I'm saying? And you just have to run the, run the clock out just to win the game. It's just feeding them. Just feed him, feed him, let him run it up. He's gonna get up. He's having fun. He might dance a little bit, but he's gonna run back and he's gonna do it, do it again. And everybody, everybody in the stadium, both teams know what's what's happening. So, that's what so what do you, you survive that by taking a hit? Uh, I mean, you're not fooling anybody at that point. Why does it work? I mean, it works because you put the ball in a playmaker's hands and he makes plays. All right, Shane. I mean, how excited are you, Benny Snell football up in Pittsburgh? Oh, I tell you, Cousin Shane is excited. Cousin Shane is excited, Mike. (laughs) He's just, I I mean, because he's right. That's the type of, that's the type of plays we've missed. And even, I mean, as much as I loved Le'Veon Bell in his prime, you know, there was sometimes you wanted him to just, just cut and go, 
get two or three yards every time, you know, don't dance around and get caught in the backfield. So uh, this is something we haven't had since Jerome Bettis and, and I'm, I'm on the snail train, son. And I think he's going to be a perfect fit up there in Pittsburgh. All right. Well, sticking with Kentucky, Shane, we do have some news here for the Wildcats on Monday, Kentucky landed Troy quarterback Sawyer Smith, and he is a graduate transfer that has two years to play. So he's not just a senior and this is so big for the Wildcats because obviously they lost Gunnar Hoke, who transferred to Ohio State uh, previously in the offseason. They also lost Danny Clark, who transferred out. So their their quarterback depth was just, I mean, abysmal behind Terry Wilson. So landing a former Troy quarterback is pretty big. This guy's passed for almost 1,900 yards and 15 touchdowns. He's rushed for 260 and two more scores. And during Troy's bowl game, Shane, I did not know this, but he threw for 320 yards and four touchdowns. So um, I'm not suggesting this guy's going to be an all-SEC player, but it looks like Kentucky went from basically a huge question mark, you know, at the backup quarterback position to having someone that has at least played a relatively high level of college football. That's smart, man. I think it's a good fit. I wish they would have kept Gunner around, but – uh, you know, I don't know much about this kid, but it's it's added depth in a position they need it. So, yeah, and I like that he's a dual threat because obviously that's what Terry Wilson is, and it always annoys me. It's not done so much in college football, but I've seen it in NFL a lot where you got a guy like Michael Vick as your quarterback, and then you <laughs> got Matt Schaub behind him, and it's like what the hell? Like these guys <laughs> are not compatible at all. Whereas now Kentucky. If, God forbid, something happens to Terry Wilson or even if he just needs a breather, you're bringing in a guy that's another dual threat. You really want to you want to have a similar quarterback backing a guy up because, uh, you know, if he's got to play, you don't want to have to switch around your whole offense. Yeah, that's a good point. Never thought about that. Uh, you know, they don't have to change too much of the scheme. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a good point. I have seen that, man, and have wondered that myself. You know, here we got we – we're just talking about Pittsburgh – here we got, you know, Ben Roethlisberger back there, and then we got Josh Dobbs backing him up, you know? so it's Makes like, no sense. Makes no sense. So uh, I do like Dobbs, and I'm glad he's up there, but it's it's they're, their offense is not in day when both of them are back there. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Knoxville where we got a little bit of news here on the Vols. They have announced they're going to play Troy. They're going to host Troy in 2020. That's going to close out their non-conference schedule. Thoughts on Tennessee playing Troy, Shane? (sighs) Last time we played, they had a 1,000 yards offense, so it should be electric. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope we ain't breaking that record. So I I think Pruitt's going to keep this one uh, a little in check. So, but I'm not a fan because here we've here you know here we're talking about Florida and Texas and Georgia and Clemson and now we got Tennessee and Troy. So mm-hmm. uh, I can't I can't say I like it for the other guys and not ours. You know I do like the W, but I would like to see a little better opponent. Yeah. So here's Tennessee's full schedule in 2020. Obviously these dates we don't have any of them aside from the non-conference. But so they're going to play Troy, Charlotte, Furman. So three easy W's, but then they go to Oklahoma and the SEC West opponents, obviously Alabama's an annual one. And then Arkansas is the 2020 opponent. So uh, that should be a schedule that sets up pretty well for the Vols at least. Yeah, I like that. I mean, we got Oklahoma on there. So, I mean, you got to have it. I think 
I mean, you have to have at least one or two cupcakes on there, especially around homecoming. But um, that Oklahoma, man, (laughs) I don't know if we're ready for them, buddy. (laughs) And the other news we got with Tennessee here, Shane, the the Vols, while Georgia's landing, you know, a borderline five-star offensive lineman, Tennessee landed a zero-star junior college defensive back by the name of Art Green. Okay, has he got a, has he got a brother we want or something? <laughs> I, I think what happened here is, uh, you know, these a lot of these junior college rankings they're just not up to date. So they're saying this guy is probably going to be a, you know, a three star, maybe a four star, but I'm guessing he's going to be a three star. But apparently he does run a ten seven hundred meters, so he's fast. He's six foot two, but uh, at least. A lot of times when you see these, you could track back where they went to high school and, you know, some maybe somebody in there that we were, were also recruiting or maybe mm-hmm. he's got a younger brother or cousin we're trying to get up here to Tennessee. You know, this feels like one of those field spots. So I'm just curious if he's if he's got some family back home that we're trying to recruit as well. Well, he went to the same junior college as Alvin Kamara, Shane, so maybe, maybe they're hoping to bring that uh, pipeline back to Tennessee. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We had a, a nice one with Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, there for a little bit, and it seemed like like that was a school. A lot of the the best players off that community call or the JUCO was heading. So, mm-hmm. uh, nothing wrong with building a little pipeline with a JUCO school. Okay, Shane. Real quick, we just got uh, two more teams here. Arkansas. Woo pig. They've actually T.J. Hammonds announced this himself. Backup running back there with the Razorbacks, who's going to be a senior next year. Uh, Chad Morris announced. T.J. Hammonds was not with the team during spring, so a lot of people thought that meant he was gone for good. But here on Monday, T.J. Hammonds announced that he is back with the team, and he said he's never felt better. So, you know, Arkansas, obviously a team that has a long way to go, but with Devwall Whaley and Rakeem Boyd and now T.J. Hammonds and, and can't forget Chase Hayden, who's got a lot of potential uh, Arkansas has got some depth here at running back. And uh, like I said, I don't think T.J. Hammonds by no means is he going to be the starter there for Arkansas. But just the fact that they're getting him back in that rotation, and this is a guy that can also catch the ball and return kicks. So uh, I think Arkansas can use all the weapons they can get next year. Yeah, this is big, man. I mean, you got to feel uh, this is something we've talked about. Uh, a lot of the players are, it feels like they're kind of buying into what Morris is selling. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seeing TJ back's huge. Maybe not for, you know, actual productivity on the field, but it, it, I think it speaks volumes of what Morris is trying to preach over there. Yeah, I agree. And then last, Shane, here, let's go down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Where we got some bad news, unfortunately. Auburn right tackle Austin Troxel out for the year towards ACL. That was first reported by uh, Auburn Undercover 247. Um, now, the, Auburn's returning all five starting offensive linemen. Troxel was scheduled to be a backup, but uh, he was basically going to be their swing man, I think, and... You know, I think he was going to push for a starting role because while Auburn was bringing back all their offensive line, not exactly, you know, a stellar unit last year. Obviously, they'll probably be better with with, uh, more continuity and what have you. But uh, this is potentially a big blow here for the Tigers because they really need to get that offensive line going. And when you lose basically your top backup during SEC season, you often go to those backup linemen. Yeah, yeah, that's... 
That's not what you want, man. Did you know how he did it? Did it say anything? On, I mean, I believe it's just during the you know off-season training is how that happened. <clears throat> oh man, that, and, this, that and this was a guy that I think hurt his knee twice in high school, so it's just really bad. I, I think he's just having you know continued bad luck with those knees. Yeah, and and it's you know they're saying that he's going to miss the whole next year. I mean, obviously he's not going to play uh, next season, and and that's. That's horrible. I mean, because Auburn's really thin at offensive line, so mm-hmm. uh, that's the last thing they needed to to have, have happen here. All right, Shane. So that's all the news we got, but we got uh, we got an interesting mailbag question here. You want to get to that? Let's do it. Listen up. It's time for mail call. Don't have to answer that question. I'll answer it. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do you understand the words that have come out of my mouth? My turn. What do you got? Okay, here we go. What color is a fire truck? Ah, oh, God, I always get these. Um, okay, uh, all right, fire truck. Fire truck, fire truck, fire truck. What color are those red fire trucks? All right, Shane, this question specifically asked of me i guess they don't oh, oh, oh. uh <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> so you might have to sit this one out and just uh give me your thoughts on it but uh here's a question we got on our reddit page after hearing all about georgia's great home and home series i noticed a good deal of them are in atlanta i love the series but hate it when they're not played on campus especially between the hedges can you cover why obviously money but but why does Mercedes-Benz, which is the Atlanta stadium there, pay more? And he just kind of goes on. He's just basically wondering why all that's going on. And he also threw this one out at you, Shane. Love the show. Loved picturing Coach Chavis tapping Shane on the shoulder <laughs> and granting him the right to talk shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think, man? I mean, obviously, you know, uh, they don't care what, what Cousin Shane thinks about, about this question. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, so... Georgia does have some really great non-conference games coming up. We've kind of hit on that before. Next year's Notre Dame. I mean, they got series against UCLA, Florida State, Texas, a bunch against Clemson, Oklahoma. I mean, they are loading up. But they do have the neutral site non-conference games. 2020, they're playing Virginia. 2022, they're playing Oregon. In 2024, Clemson. Those are all in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I'll tell you why, Shane, because a lot of this has to do with, you know, they hit it here on the question. A lot of this has to do with money. So obviously when Georgia say, I'm just throwing this one out there, but let's say they host Texas, all the proceeds from that game goes directly to Georgia's pocket, whereas Texas does not get money from that. And then Texas makes their money on the back end when Georgia visits Austin, whereas these games in Atlanta, let's take this Georgia-Oregon game for example. Each team is going to pocket at least $4.5 million. So we're talking $9 million going to both these teams. The Georgia-Clemson game in Atlanta in 2024, they're each making $5 million. So it's just a way for these schools to very quickly – cash out you know they don't have to wait two years to do it 
they're making bank and that doesn't even count they get more money the more tickets that sell for these events and obviously georgia being so close to atlanta when they play these teams i mean you know oregon fans they're not going to travel that well when you consider they have to come all the way across the country, whereas it's a short drive for a lot of Georgia fans. Mm-hmm. So, so Georgia's going to make even more for all these games. I think you could even say the same thing about Virginia. Um, I don't think they have a really great football fan base. I mean, that they'll certainly make that drive, I would think, from Virginia to Atlanta. But, again, Georgia fans are going to buy the majority of those tickets in 2020. So Georgia's going to make bank on that. And another thing you got to consider – a lot of these games, I know the Clemson one was just recently announced, but the Virginia one, that was agreed upon in late 2016. So I, that was kind of really before we started seeing that the college football playoff committee really values non-conference strength of schedule. And mm-hmm. I think Georgia really wisely looked at that and said, you know, we load up, especially with these home and homes, And now we're talking that will increase our chances of making the playoff. And I think one other, another big reason that they're moving away from these neutral site games, look at it this way, Shane, if you are a Georgia fan and you're shelling out so much money for season tickets, and then you got to say to these fans that are buying, you know, that have the season tickets, you also got to pay money to go watch Virginia in in Atlanta. You got to pay money to watch the Oregon game in Atlanta. You got to pay extra money to watch this Clemson game in Atlanta. And that's before we're talking likely SEC championship game. That's before we're talking potential playoff appearance and then you know if everything goes well, you're talking another playoff national championship. I mean, you fans are just getting bled and I, I just don't think that we just talked about that Tennessee schedule with Troy and Furman and all these games. People love their teams winning, but they don't really want to go watch these games and, and pay all this money to go see these non-conference blowouts that are over by the second quarter. It's just it's not a good good investment for the schools any longer, and it's not an investment that fans are willing to make and even at schools like Alabama the fans are not turning out like they normally would when they're going against these citadel type teams they'll come out for the SEC games obviously but the other ones are just no longer drawn there's just too much going on so it just kind of makes sense all the way around to kind of increase these home and homes and I think some of these neutral site games that Georgia got into was really agreed upon before that kind of got going so that kind of is a reason why they have three of these neutral site games on the schedule right now. Do you need me? Are we good? Can I check back in? <laughs> uh, well, you know, Kirby, you know, he talked a lot about this, you know, uh, especially like the strength of schedules and, uh, you know, kind of the way things are going in the future. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, one thing he hit on, you know, one of the things he was talking about was just, you know, Getting out there, being more visual, uh, let people see you. So when you do these home and home games, you know you're all over the country. You're you're scheduling some powerhouse teams, teams that are predominantly good. Mm-hmm. And he said it. You know, there's going to be years that you know when you do, a, you know, because a lot of people will do one game like Tennessee's doing Oklahoma, yes, but they're also doing Troy, 
Now, if they would have switched Troy up with uh, a Texas or, or uh, you know, a Clemson or something like that, there's going to be years that that's going to catch you and hurt you. But there's also going to be years that it's going to help you. So something we talked about in last podcast, you know, you're trying to get in last year to the national championship. Well, if you would have had uh, a victory over Oklahoma and a victory over Texas, you know, that's going to bump you up another round and get you into the playoffs. Uh, it's no questions asked. So uh, I think this is awesome. And I love that college football is going this direction. Eventually, that's what I see. I see them restructuring some sort of scheduling system and, and making you schedule against Power Five conferences. I just think it's coming in the future because I think the playoffs will expand. And, you know, and when it does expand, some of these games are planned out 10 years. I mean, 20, 15 years, some of them. And, you know, it's going to take a while to 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 create a schedule that that goes hand in hand with the new playoff structure. So mm-hmm. I, I like this aggressive play. Man, Shane, yeah. we, we spent a lot of this pod piling on the Gators, and I'm I'm not trying to mock what's going on there. This is uh, – they just got some more bad news, breaking oh. news here. I just got to – Throw this on the end of the pod here, but uh, one of their four-star signees, top 200 prospect, Duwan Black, one of the top-rated linebackers in the nation, signed with the Gators. He has just announced he is not going to make it in. He's headed to junior college. So Florida had a top 10 recruiting class a week ago, and that sucker is hovering around the top 20 now after all these losses. What Juco is he going to? Is it the one we're building a pipeline with? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> that I do not know. Oh, man, that sucks. Golly. We've all had those years, man. You remember remember Tennessee when we had that the infamous class of Lane Kiffin? I mean, we were back, son. Mm-hmm. It's like half of them get arrested, half of them transferred out. I think two of them survived, and they weren't even good. So it was like, you know, you're going to have one of those classes just – it really sucks right now with Dan because he's he's in a rebuild. You know he's he uh, he's bouncing off a, a great season last year, and you think you know they're moving in the right direction, but uh, it's May. There's plenty of time. We got a whole. That's the thing. We got a whole summer. You think this is? You think now I'm going to get in trouble over the summer? So uh, Dan better be sending some coaches home with some of these players. <laughs> All right, Shane. We got a review. You want to hit that before we jump off the pod here? Yeah, buddy. Thank you for being a friend Travel down a road and back again I appreciate everybody hanging out with us uh, You know, taking their time to listen to a little college football in May But uh, we are kind of phasing back the shows um, Sometimes we're doing one a week But uh, we're going to try to get two out this week, right Mike? Yes sir, well, we've got some interesting topics we're going to hit on on the next podcast That we didn't really want to jam into this one. We had a lot of good stuff to, to discuss, but uh, we should have a really good episode towards the end of the week coming up for all y'all. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and I, I want to thank everybody for uh, taking their time to give us a rating review on iTunes. Uh, uh, we got a, a review here. This this came from Knox Vegas. It's titled Vols Five Star. That's the only five star we're getting, Mike, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We got a few this year. Uh, but I want to thank Knox Vegas because he put best SEC podcast out there. So I appreciate the review. I, like I said, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. And uh, 
hopefully we'll get some more content out for you uh, later this week. All right, sounds good, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.